Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Good afternoon and welcome, welcome to the next instalment. It's getting exciting of five go off to camp. Well, <sighs> thank you for joining me. I'm going to find out what's going to happen next. If you recall from yesterday, we've got Anne lost on the moor somewhere trying to find Mr Luffy in the camp. We've got the boys in the tunnel possibly being chased by Mr Andrews and the other men. And we've got George and Timmy stuck in a train with lots of other men around. Oh my goodness. How are any of them going to get out of that? Let's find out. Chapter 17. In a, an amazing find. So, here goes. In the meantime, what had happened to the three boys walking back through the tunnel? They had gone slowly along, examining the lines to see if a train could have possibly run along them recently. Few weeds grew in the dark, airless tunnel, so they could not tell by those. But when they came about halfway, Julian noticed an interesting thing. <clears throat> Look, he said, flashing his torch onto the lines before and after them. See that? The lines are black and rusty behind us now. But here, this pair of lines is quite bright, as if they'd been used a lot. He was right. Behind them stretched black and rusty lines, sometimes buckled in places. But in front of them, stretching to the mouth of the tunnel leading to Ollie's yard, the lines were bright as if train wheels had run along them. Well, that's funny, said Dick. Looks as if the spook train ran only from here to Ollie's yard and back. But why? And where in the world is it now? It's vanished into thin air. Julian was as puzzled as Dick. Where could a train be if it was not in the tunnel? It had obviously run to the middle of the tunnel and then stopped. But where had it gone now? Let's go to the mouth of the tunnel and see if the lines are bright all the way, said Julian at last. We can't discover much here unless the train suddenly materialises in front of us. <clears throat> they went on down the tunnel, their torches flashing on the lines in front of them. They talked earnestly as they went. They didn't see four men waiting for them. Four men who crouched in a little niche at the side of the tunnel, waiting there in the dark. Well, said Julian, I think, and then he stopped, because four dark figures suddenly pounced on the three boys and held them fast. Julian gave a shout and struggled, but the man who had hold of him was far too strong to escape from. Their torches were flung to the ground. Julian's broke and the other two torches lay there, their beams shining on the feet of the struggling company. It didn't take more than 20 seconds to make each boy a captive. His arms behind his back. Julian tried to kick, but his captor twisted his arms so fiercely that he groaned in pain and stopped his kicking. Look here, 
What's all this about? demanded Dick. Who are you? And what do you think you're doing? We're only three boys exploring an old tunnel. What's the harm in that? Take them all away, said a voice that everyone recognised at once. Mr Andrews, is it you? cried Julian. Set us free. You know us, the boys at the camp, and Jock's here too. What do you think you're doing? Mr Andrews didn't answer, but he gave poor Jock a box on the right ear that almost sent him to the ground. Their captors turned them about and led them roughly up the tunnel towards the middle. Nobody had a torch, so it was all done in the darkness and the three boys stumbled badly, though the men seemed sure-footed enough. They came to a halt after a time. Mr Andrews left them and Julian heard him go off somewhere to the left. Then there came a curious noise, a bang, a clank, and then a sliding grating sound. What could be happening? Julian strained his eyes in the darkness, but he could see nothing at all. He didn't know that Mr Andrews was opening the bricked-up wall through which the train had gone. He didn't know that he and the others were being pushed out of the first tunnel into the other one through the curious hole in the wall. The three boys were shoved along in the darkness, not daring to protest. Now they were in the curious place between the two walls, which were built right across the place where the second tunnel forked from the first one, the place where the spook train stood in silence, the place where George was still hidden in one of the trucks with Timmy. But nobody knew that, of course. Not even Mr Andrews guessed that a girl and a dog were listening in a truck nearby. He put on a torch and flashed it in the faces of the three boys who, although they were not showing any fear, felt rather scared all the same. This was so weird and unexpected and they had no idea where they were at all. You were warned not to go down to that yard, said the voice of one of the men. You were told it was a bad and dangerous place. So it is. And you've got to suffer for not taking heed of the warning. You'll be tied up and left here till we finished our business. Maybe that'll be three days and maybe it'll be three weeks. Look here, you can't keep us prisoner for all that time, said Julian alarmed. Why, there'll be search parties out for us all over the place. They will be sure to find us. Oh no, they won't, said the voice. Nobody will find you here. Now, Peters, tie them up. Peters tied the three boys up. They had their legs tied and their arms too, and they were set down roughly against a wall. Julian protested again. What are you doing this for? We're quite harmless. We don't know a thing about your business, whatever it is. We're not taking any chances, said the voice. It was not Mr Andrew's voice, but a firm, strong one, full of determination and a large amount of annoyance. What about mum, said Jock suddenly to his stepfather. She'll be worried. Well, let her be worried, said the voice again, answering before Mr Andrews could say a word. It's your own fault. You were warned. The feet of the four men moved away. 
Then came the same noises again as the boys had heard before. They were made by the hole in the wall closing up, but the boys didn't know that. They couldn't imagine what they were. The noises stopped and there was dead silence. There was also a pitch blackness. The three boys strained their ears and felt sure that the men had gone. Well, the brutes, whatever they're up to, said Julian in a low voice, trying to loosen the ropes around his hands. Well, they've got some secret to hide, said Dick. Gosh, they've tied my feet so tightly that the rope is cutting into my flesh. What's going to happen? came Jock's scared voice. This adventure didn't seem quite so grand to him now. Shh, said Julian suddenly. I can hear something. They all lay and listened. What was it they could hear? It's... it sounds like a dog whining, said Dick suddenly. It was. It was Timmy in the truck with George. He had heard the voices of the boys he knew and he wanted to get to them. But George, not sure yet that the men had gone, still had her hand on his collar. Her heart beat for joy to think she was alone no longer. The three boys, and Anne too perhaps, were there, in the strange place as she and Timmy were. The boys listened hard. The whining came again. Then George let go of her hold of Tom Timmy's collar, and he leapt headlong out of the truck. His feet pattered eagerly over the ground. He went straight to the boys in the darkness, and Julian felt a wet tongue licking his face. A warm body pressed against him and a little bark told him who it was. Timmy! I say Dick it's Timmy! cried Julian in joy. Where did he come from? Timmy is it really you? Woof! said Timmy and licked Dick next and then Jock. Where's George then? wondered Dick. Here! said a voice, and out of the truck scrambled George, switching on her torch as she did so. She went over to the boys. Whatever's happened? How did you come here? Were you captured or something? Yes, said Julian. But George, where are we? And what are you doing here? It's like a peculiar dream. I'll cut your ropes first before I stop to explain anything, said George, and she took out her sharp knife. In a few moments, she had cut the boys' bonds and they all sat up, rubbing their sore ankles and wrists, groaning. Oh, thanks, George. Now I feel fine, said Julian, getting up. Where are we? Gracious, is that an engine there? What's it doing here? That, Julian, is the spook train, said George with a laugh. Yes, it is, really. <clears throat> but we walked all the way down the tunnel and out the other end without finding it, said Julian, puzzled. It's most mysterious. Listen, Jew, said George. You know where that second tunnel is bricked up, don't you? Well, there's a way in through the wall. A whole bit of it moves back in a sort of open sesame manner. The spook train can run in through the hole on the rails. Once it's beyond the wall, it stops and the hole is closed up again. George switched her torch round to show the astonished boys the wall through which they had come. Then she swung her torch to the big wall opposite. 
See that, she said. There are two walls across this second tunnel, with a big space in between, where the spook train hides. Clever, isn't it? Well, it would be if I could see any sense in it, said Julian, but I can't. Why should anyone mess about with a silly spook train at night? Well, that's what we've got to find out, said George. And now's our chance. Look, Julian, look at all the caves stretching out on either side of the tunnel here. They would make wonderful hiding places. What for, said Dick? I can't make head nor tail of it. George swung her torch on the three boys and then asked a sudden question. I say, where's Anne? Anne! She didn't want to come back with us through the tunnel, so she ran over the moorlands to meet us at the, top, the other end by Ollie's yard, said Julian. Oh, she'll be worried stiff, won't she, when we don't turn up? I only hope she doesn't come wandering up the tunnel to meet us. She'll run into those men if she does. Everyone felt worried. Anne hated the tunnel and she would be very frightened if people pounced on her in the darkness. Julian turned to George. Swing your torch round and let's see those caves. There doesn't seem to be anyone here now. We could have a snoop around. <laughs> George swung her torch around and Julian saw vast and apparently fathomless caves stretching out on either side, cut out of the sides of the tunnel. Jock saw something else. By the light of the torch, he caught sight of a switch on the wall. Perhaps it opened the hole in the wall. It, he crossed to it and pulled it down. Immediately, the place was flooded with a bright light. It was a light switch he had found. They all blinked in the sudden glare. Oh, that's better, said Julian, please. Good for you, Jock. Now we can see what we're doing. He looked at the spook train standing silently near them on its rails. It certainly looked very old and forgotten, as if it belonged to the last century, not to this. It's quite a museum piece, said Julian with interest. So that's what we heard puffing in and out of the tunnel at night. Old spooky. I hid in that truck there, said George, pointing, and then she told them all about her own adventure. The boys could hardly believe she had actually puffed into this secret place, hidden on the spook train itself. Come on, now let's look at these caves, said Dick. They went over to the nearest one. It was packed with crates and boxes of all kinds. Julian pulled one up and whistled. Whoa, all black market stuff, I imagine. Look here, crates of tea, crates of whiskey and brandy. Boxes and boxes of stuff. Goodness knows what. This is a real black market hiding place. The boys explored a little further. The caves were piled high with valuable stuff, worth thousands of pounds. All stolen, I suppose, said Dick. But what do they do with it? I mean, how do they dispose of it? They bring it here in the train, of course, and hide it, but they... Must have some way of getting rid of it. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Would they repack it on the train and run it back to the yard when they had enough lorries to take it away, said Julian. No, said Dick, of course not. Let me see. They steal it, pile it onto lorries at night, take it somewhere temporarily, 
Yes, to my mother's farm, said Jock in a scared voice. All those lorries there in the barn, that's what they're used for. And they come down to Ollie's yard at night and the stuff is loaded in secret on the old train that comes puffing out to meet them and then it's taken back here and hidden. Phew, Julian whistled. You're right, Jock, that's just what happens. What a cunning plot to use a perfectly honest little farm as a hiding place to stock the farm with black market men for labourers. No wonder they're such bad workers. And to wait for dark nights to run the stuff down to the yard and load it on the train. Your stepmother, father must make a lot of money at this game, said Dick to Jock. Yes, and that's why you can afford to pour money into the farm, said Jock miserably poor mum this will break her heart all the same i don't think my stepfather's the chief one in this there's somebody behind him yes said julian thinking of the mean little mr andrews with his big nose and weak chin there probably is now i've thought of something else if this stuff is got rid of in an any other way except down the tunnel it came up there must be somewhere a way of getting out of these caves. I believe you're right, said George. And if there is, we'll find it. And what's more, we'll escape that way. Come on, said Julian. And he switched off the glaring light. Your torch will give enough light now. We'll try this cave first. Keep your eyes open, all of you. Think they'll find somewhere to some way of escape? <gasps> How exciting! Fancy! Oh my goodness! I don't think I would like to be stuck in a dark tunnel, especially not tied up. Oh, fancy not being able to move! So that is today's adventure. Uh, tomorrow, maybe they will find a way to escape. Who knows? But I'm still worried about poor old Anne. Oh, my goodness me. So hopefully she'll find Mr. Luffy very soon. Um, right. So tomorrow we will read chapter 18. Um, until then, take care and stay safe. Bye for now.